Jonathan, and welcome to the final episode in our Little Shop of Horrors mini-series on every version ever. You know how they say you should save the best for last? Well, we did not do that. If you couldn't tell, my favorite was in the last episode. No, today Nikki and I are talking about probably the least memorable version of this story, or maybe the most memorable for reasons other than how good it is. Some might even say this is the worst version. I won't say that. I try to be positive, but after the musical, this one is kind of a step down. Today we're talking about 1991's Little Shop. Not Little Shop of Horrors, just Little Shop. This is an animated series for kids, which seems like a very strange direction to take for a franchise about a man-eating plant. But if you can't tell from the title, this version has been scrubbed clean from almost all its horror elements. I will say, though, that even if this isn't the best version, it's still rather interesting to me, if only for the fact that it's faded into obscurity. I wanna go to the little shop. Word, little shop. Did you know that this show existed before we started talking about these? I feel like when I was a kid, I, I, I probably saw it advertised, um, but generally I did not know about it, but like there were, there were bits that like that came up and they looked familiar to me. So I, I might've watched it as a kid and not like, you don't like make the connection as an adult. Mm. Cause there was other stuff that like, there was one episode that had like advertisements on it that I ran across and um, it's like, Oh Oh, wow, that looks really familiar. I remember seeing that or this or whatever. So in the deep kid recesses of my brain, I probably did, but I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I'd ever seen this. I don't think I knew it existed until I started reading about the movie, the musical. Right. And then I was really intrigued. It was like, how, am I, how do I watch this? Carefully. And... <laughs> <laughs> It, it's available on YouTube if anyone decides they really want to see this. Yeah, it's actually a really, like, it's, I mean, all the episodes are cut exactly the same. Yeah, it's all in one playlist if you just Google or um, YouTube Little Shop. And it's not Little Shop of Horrors, it's just Little Shop. Yeah, it's not horrific because it's a children's show. Well, <laughs> that's up for debate, but uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> Yeah, all of the like horror elements seem to have been removed. It's it's a very sanitized version of either the original or the musical. And Yeah. <laughs> it's still a musical though, except it's mostly like rap because the plant raps all the time. Yeah. Well, I was looking and I I think and this is just like I, I didn't I should have kept a tally, but I, I started but then I didn't continue it. There was kind of an interesting mix of like each episode, or at least to some extent, had like that kind of fifties bebop mm -hmm. type music. Yeah. Something poppy and then something rap oriented. Yeah, it was just a weird mix of styles. Yeah. But considering they were trying to hit like something from the sixties with like the original, and then they were trying to hit something from the eighties with the pop, and then mm -hmm. I'm guessing trying to hit so you know, that for then modern sensibilities with the rap yeah <laughs> and that intro oh my god i mean and i guess it was maybe i guess i didn't look into it but like for that time that was a that was almost a minute open as far as yeah, the opening it took a long time 
Yeah, it was like 59 seconds from, you know, when it came on to when it finished up. And it didn't really, like, obviously, if you listen to the lyrics, you're going to get the idea of what it's about. Mm-hmm. But it really didn't tell you anything about the show. Yeah, no, I don't think any child going into this would know what the show is about or based on. Yeah, even, exactly. even, Especially from the, the song, but just like, I mean, the, the 90s, probably 80s and 90s were... A weird time where like anything could get a cartoon oh, yeah. in- including little shop of horrors well, i mean like robocop had a cartoon <laughs> and he actually had action figures and i know that was more of a 90s thing like you think like um the all the batman movies had like even though they were pg-13 and r no i guess they were all pg-13 you know i mean they catered even though the kids couldn't see the movies they could still get the toys mm-hmm Though I doubt this probably had toys. <laughs> I don't think so. The only toys I've ever seen re- related to Little Shop of Horrors are Funko Pops, which yeah. I kind of want an Audrey 2 Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can make it happen. <laughs> you definitely deserve one after going through all three of these. <laughs> this one especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely so. If it had just been like one episode, I it would have been fine, but like 13, I was I was tired of this by the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was there were parts of it that I looked at and was like, "Oh, well that's clearly, you know, speaking to the 60s one and that's clearly talking to the 80s one." Mm-hmm. And oh look, here's um the flower eating character. He shows up a couple times and uh he kind of shows know. up a lot. Like he's yeah. in the background of the of episodes. Like one time he like, I I think there's a guy who has flowers growing out of his head, and in the background it looked like he ate the flowers off the guy's head, but then yep. they were back in another scene. <laughs> right, right. And then he was like uh, on the Halloween episode. He shows up as one of the houses they go to. Um, according to one of the wiki pages, and again, I guess you kind of take the wiki pages for what they are. But they were talking about how there was a character that resembled Jack Nicholson in quite a few different um, of the episodes. I saw that fact, but I don't know which one they were talking about. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I guess I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to yeah. like, look for his character. But even like, like the idea that um, the, the bully kid, Pain Driller, mm-hmm. why didn't they just have the dentist character as a kid? Like that would have been, I, I don't know, like. The rest of it, you know, they tried to pull in, you know, you've got, uh, uh, you know, Audrey as um, Mr. Moshnik's daughter. You've got different characters that show up in that respect. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Seymour's mom shows up, but she's for some reason always working out. Yeah, um, you never see her face. She's one of those characters who's like her head is right off the top of the screen. Yeah, exactly. You see like legs and butt and that's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I thought that she was going to be in the first episode and then you never see her again. But then towards the end of the season... She shows up a few times. Yeah, yeah. And I was very confused as to where Seymour lived because it seemed like he was living in the shop, but his yeah, mother wasn't around. Yeah, exactly. I thought that at first too, but it didn't seem like it was the case. And his bed was like, I don't know, like 12 feet off the ground. It was like bunk beds, but he was 12 feet off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Audrey's like every episode she wants to be something else like her overriding arc is she wants to be a fireman when she grows up mm-hmm. but then she takes little side trips and it seems like every other episode she wanted to be something different 
And I suppose it was supposed to be empowering for girls at, you know, back in the 90s. But it was such a weird mix of things. Yeah. That and the giant bow on her head. I, I got nothing there. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really feel like the characters from the movies to me. Maybe Mr. Mushnick did. A little bit, I guess. Yeah. But Audrey seemed totally different. Seymour was similar, but... Yeah. Well, I think with Audrey, they were probably trying to play her up as a... Because you don't really need a ditzy 13-year-old or 12-year-old or whatever she was. <laughs> I think kid... they were supposed to be 13, but they seemed younger. Yeah. yeah. And Seymour was... I don't know. You know, it's a kid character. It's meant to be at other kids. But I just... There wasn't a lot to... I guess towards the end, you kind of got to like him a little bit better. But at the start... It just was like, okay, the thing about the thing that made Seymour good in the movies was he was still likable. You know, mm-hmm. you, you felt for him. He's trying to do the right thing. He just didn't seem to have any. And I guess we're judging a, a cartoon from the 90s, but it's just like <laughs> there's still that he just want. He was just there. There wasn't any like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there to do this. He was just kind of boring to me. Yeah. And the one he faced forward, <laughs> like the way his face was. Like like the yeah like they took a circle out and that was his mouth oh my god <laughs> yeah the designs of the characters were not that great yeah they were they were like the epitome of cheap animation like they made it as simple as they could so that they could get the animation out quickly agreed very much so and nobody looked nobody looked that great some looked really bad like the dentist. Oh my god. <laughs> they didn't have noses. <laughs> no, he, he looked like some sort of I don't know, monster. Like a Frankenstein monster type thing. Oh yeah. It was I don't know, it was like a weird kind of like like it sort of gave me like Charlie Brown vibes, especially I mean like Seymour especially just, you know, he was kind of the kid that's down on his luck, never gets yeah. his way kind of a thing. Some of the mm-hmm. animation reminded me of that a little bit. But I don't know, like, yeah, you could definitely tell, like, even to see the open of the show, you get the idea of how relatively cheap it is. Like nothing, mm-hmm. like as compared to having things colored separately, you've got these giant patches of color, like the the little shop was, you know, like three different colors, but it's like squares of color. Yeah, it, it seemed like they were trying to go for an like 60s Looney Tunes vibe. But yeah, they that didn't is do a very, very good true. job. Yeah, it had that. It was very much that aesthetic. I'd even say something like um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie kind of had a similar feel. Like it wasn't rough. At least rough, a little bit but... of that. I don't remember much of it. Yeah, I don't. My nieces used to watch it, and yeah, it kind of made yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, kind of <laughs> follows that same feel. But I did kind of get the impression that like the designs of the op- of the city itself kind of gave me like the opening of the '60s version vibes. Yeah, I like that kind of sketched that kind of yeah. sketched feel. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel professional. It feels like it belongs in that era. Yeah, it did seem similar, but, again, not as good. Yeah, no, agreed. I did really like the uh, Greek chorus as flowers. I think that worked pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I figured that they were trying to go for the that those three characters, um, mm-hmm. Crystal, Ronette, and... Chiffon. Yeah. I thought I thought that's who the flowers were supposed to be. I think so too. Although sometimes there was a fourth one. Oh, that's true. And sometimes I think there might have even been five at some points. 
but I suppose that's that's kind of uh, pedantic when you consider the <laughs> overall, you know. Yeah, I guess it wasn't like a one-to-one thing. That's just the same idea. Yeah, yeah. It's basis more than anything else. It's like Audrey being Mushnik's daughter. Yeah, I don't. I guess the only reason that they did that is so that they'd have a reason for her to be hanging around the flower shop, because otherwise it would be weird if a little girl was just there. Yeah, that's very true. But other than that, it did seem weird a weird thing to change. Yeah, yeah, that it was. That and um, the fact that um, uh, Audrey 2, or sorry, the fact that Audrey Jr. was a seedling from 200 million years ago in the Vegazoic era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of weird... I don't... Is that a pun? Like, That's word pun. wordplay, puns. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of that in this oh, show. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of that was not bad. Like I was, I was impressed yeah. by some of it. Like there was Seymour was constantly being referred to as a potato. Like he'd be like, "Oh, you, you know, potatoes have better eyes than you for various things." And yeah, they had some clever puns mixed in with uh, some dumb jokes. Oh yeah, yeah. I will say though that their pun play was was excellent from that respect. Yeah, I, there was a few that I thought was clever and did actually make me laugh. Like yeah. the the show on a whole is just kind of meh, but there were it had moments. Oh yeah, very much so. And there were some really solid ones. Um, like um, and they had some. I mean, as it went along, Seymour did kind of the you know the lesson thing you get with a lot of kids shows mm-hmm. of that era. Yeah. But it was self aware enough. I mean, you had a lot of fourth wall breaks to start with, but it was self aware enough to say you know. We're, we're trying to tell have this message of environmentalism or treating people with respect, even though it was played off as, you know, oh, that's, you know, why are you rambling about, you know, things like this? But it did come back to that to some extent. So they did it in a clever way, as much as one could, you know, for something in, like from that era. Yeah, there was there was one that I thought it was getting a little, I don't know, it, it almost seemed like it was going to be heavy handed. It was towards the end of the episode where he's suddenly good at a bunch of sports and uh, yeah. it seemed like they were going to have a lesson about i don't know cheating or something something like that because they i don't even remember how it happened but they were sort of merged <laughs> the seymour yeah, and the plant were sort of merged and suddenly he was great at sports yeah seymour want or uh, uh junior wanted feet or wanted to be able to walk and yeah so he merged himself with Seymour accidentally and I don't, they never I, really they didn't really how. explain it well because I was confused probably better not to it seemed like he ended up in Seymour's stomach but it kind of became like the man with two heads kind of yeah because he kept popping out his head and vines and yep. yeah but when they get separated it seemed like he was going to have some sort of a lesson about cheating because he was, it was sort of like he was cheating and I thought he was going to end up learning that lesson. And he was giving him this speech about how all he needed was confidence. He didn't need he didn't need to be merged with Junior at all. So then he was going to run in the race. And I thought he was going to end up losing. And then that was going to be the big moral of the story. But then Junior cheated again by t- tying up all the shoelaces of the other people's. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm not sure if he won or not, because like he got trampled at the finish line. So I'm not even sure what the overall moral of that episode was. <laughs> <laughs> or 
Well, uh, Seymour came out on the bottom, so uh, as he would have normally. <laughs> at the beginning, at the very first episode, they kind of say that uh, Seymour is supposed to be a nerd, but he's lacking the brains to be a nerd. So he's kind of striving to be a nerd, but that never mm-hmm. really ha- comes up again. So I don't know if they were just trying to give him like, oh, well, this is the personality type of our hero. It, yeah, because later on, it seems like everybody just calls him a nerd and he seems to be sort of smart. So I'm not really sure where they were going with that. I don't know that they did either. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, basically. I thought it was funny, too, in the first episode when he finds the seed. It When it sprouts, he already has a little pot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He, he germed in the wheat germ. <laughs> Sorry, he germinated in the wheat germ. Which apparently grows a little clay pot for him to live in. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, plants of the uh, Vegazoic era were well known for their for their variety of pots. Okay. You could actually tell a plant's status by its pot. Oh, okay. Well, what is his yeah. status then? A little clay pot. I don't pot. know. I haven't done enough research into, you know, making up things for that era. <laughs> <laughs> we never actually go back to then, you know, we only go to the um the uh, Skid Row Botanical Gardens. <laughs> Which that was another kind of fun thing was the fact that it was like the kind of the world, not that you can call it world building, but you had like um the Skid Row Botanical Gardens, you know, the Skid Row Consolidated Elementary or Junior High, I guess it mm-hmm. was. Um, like then there was like the little shop of uh, of um, of heads and uh, the Skid Row, not very interesting museum, and you know you had all these <laughs> all these places. I don't know. They they were kind of like that part of it was kind of fun. It it was like Skid Row was a lot more affluent than it was in the original versions. Oh yeah, <laughs> they well, had a lot really more going on. Ch- when it's the only place that exists. <laughs> <laughs> they even had a subway. That's I didn't even think about that. But yeah, why would a Skid Row have a subway? Because <laughs> it's more affluent than <laughs> what we initially thought. <laughs> yeah, apparently. We just get the bad side of Skid Row. Actual Skid Row is actually quite nice. And it was named for Mr. Skid Anita Row. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> The, the self-awareness that Seymour has is because he's always like he's doing his own narrations by and large and he does like so many fourth wall breaks throughout mm-hmm. yeah in the first episode you talk about like random like weird little side things they go visit the Warhol or they go by the Warhol soup factory and that's kind of a seems like a throwback to Andy Warhol with I, didn't, I didn't notice that that's hilarious <laughs> yeah, it is good <laughs> But there's things like that kind of scattered throughout, like the fire and the fire um, station. It says um, never closes or something like that, or we never close or something along those lines. Mm. I think they did hide some good jokes in the backgrounds. They did very much. Well, and it it goes to show you that they were they did cover a lot of the cheeky kind of nature of like the uh, the original movie. Mm -hmm. Like even the newspaper is called the daily. uh, What was it? Like the daily fish wrap or something like that. Because they used to wrap <laughs> newspaper and fish when they gave uh-huh. it to people. Yeah. So what did you think of this take on Audrey 2 or in this case a junior? Um, I, I think for a kid from the audience, I don't know that there was a lot else you could have done. 
he was <clears throat> rather rude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Seymour's only friend is also quite a bully, really. <laughs> mm, yeah. Like anything that he did for Seymour, it was for his own gain. Yeah. In a lot of ways. But to some extent, like, I, I think that, you know, you couldn't play junior as like a sweet character that, that i mean there no, was a lot of stuff that no, was changed yeah. but it kind of still had to have some of that edge yeah and a lot of times seymour and juniors um you know they wanted the same they wanted different things but the same course of action led them to those things yeah i didn't really think of him as a bully but now that you mentioned that he kind of is he's he's a different kind of bully than the main bully pain driller right. I mean, he's more of a, I don't want to say sadistic, but he's kind of like, he takes advantage of situations. Yeah. He's just selfish, kind of. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Like, he's he's his own self, Um, like, at, on the Halloween episode, you know, he wants to get all the pumpkins to the to the cemetery. Because, you know, he's <laughs> got this. rest in peace because the yes, humans killed them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a that's kind of a reoccurring theme throughout is um like you know he he was uh, you know put off by the fact that um vegetables were put in soup or that pumpkins were used for carving or um trees were turned into you know paper and stuff and the one episode where he's like trying to rescue all the town's newspapers <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure what his end goal was because there's you can't turn them back into trees but he thought he needed to save them. Right. But then on the <laughs> other side, um, there was an episode where uh, he falls in love with a Venus flytrap. And he gets <laughs> upset that the it's covered in flowers. And he, he's he's so upset that the plant won't, or the Venus flytrap won't talk to him. And then at the end, all the flowers are taken off of this flytrap. And he's like, oh, oh, you're not so pretty without your flowers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Mushnik in this? Um, he was fine. Kind of annoying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he he was probably the most like his characters in the other two versions. Yeah, he, he reminded me more, and not that there's a ton of difference between him in the 60s and the 80s version, but he felt more, clo he felt closer to the 80s version, I think. Like, he didn't have yeah. quite the range that the 60s one had. Yeah, it was like he was close to, closer to the 80s version but with the 60s version's voice. Yes, very much. And I actually read that the, that the guy who, who played him in the 60s wanted to voice him for this cartoon. But oh. there was, like, I think the production for this cartoon took place in Canada. And so all the voice actors had to be from Canada. So that makes sense. He, couldn't, he couldn't do it. But he wanted to be the voice of Mushnick <laughs> again. I could see that. It would be a, it would be a really interesting role. <laughs> You could definitely tell some of the um, some of the voices, like they were people that did a lot of other voice work. Mm, yeah, I think you get that with a lot of cartoons. Oh yeah, very much so. Like each era has those voices that just stand out to you. Yeah. Apparently, Roger Corman was a creative consultant on this too. Yeah, I read that, and I think that they even talked to Frank Oz a bit as well. Oh, nice. No, it makes sense. I think. I mean. Because you're still going to have parents watching this, and it's going to be more the parents that are going to say, oh, hey, I recognize this property from when I was, you know, mm -hmm. five years ago or, you know, when I was a kid or whatever. Yeah, I guess the musical probably, it was only five years because this was 91 and the musical was yep. 86. Yep. 
exactly. Which is weird to think about. Like, it's about like they, so they made a horror movie based off of the Banana Splits, which was like a sixties and seventies like show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what made you think to do Little Shop? You know, five years after it was a thing. That's kind of the opposite approach because they took. I mean, Little Shop of Horrors is not exactly a horror movie. It just has horror elements. But they took a quote-unquote horror movie and made it into a cartoon. And then this other thing, they took a cartoon and made it into a horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very true. Well, again, though, it's like, I mean, they turned so much stuff into cartoons back in that era. Yeah. I I think most of them I probably never watched or wasn't allowed to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with some of them, you weren't missing much. No, if probably I remember correctly. not. <laughs> we didn't really have TV around this time anyways. We'd, oh, no worries. I, I think we didn't get TV until somewhere between when I was six and eight, maybe. And I would have only been five when this show came out. Okay. Well, and this we only is probably had, a like, little... four or five channels. Yeah, this would have been on Fox, so it probably would have been on your, your basic, you know, four channels, so... But this was definitely not for a five-year-old. I don't think, I mean, traditionally it wouldn't be for a five-year-old. No, probably not. Fox was one that I think we had, but we didn't know we had it. Ah. And it was like years, I think I was like somewhere between 10 and 12 maybe. And we were just like flipping through all the static channels and we discovered. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) We discovered two new channels, which was Fox and at the time the WB. Oh, nice. And that was, like, the most exciting thing. And we we got to watch Animaniacs after that. And that was, like, my oh. favorite show at the time. Oh, Animaniacs was just amazing regardless. Like, you can go back and watch it now and it's just as good yeah. as what it was then. I imagine something like this, like, if you watched as a kid, you'd go back and be like, I liked this when I was a kid, but <laughs> my tastes have changed. Yeah. Yeah, this one doesn't have as much staying power as the Animaniacs. No, definitely not. I mean, the thing is, if you sit down, I think if you sit down and binge it, you can see the good. But if you were to just sit down and watch like one or two episodes, mm-hmm. I like the music, I think is pretty solid. I think they did a good job with a lot of that. And it does stay true to a lot of what the original was. But without mm-hmm. that, that connotation, I don't think it would have like what it needs. Yeah. Probably. The music was, sometimes it was good, but it was kind of a mixed bag because some of it was kind of cheesy. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like they had a quota to fill of songs and they just forced themselves to write songs to fill in the gaps. True. That's very true. But also, I I mean, I don't write music. I don't know a lot about like that aspect. Yeah. God, I, I couldn't even imagine trying to write music, much less cranking out that many songs. Yeah, that's true. They can't all be winners, and they did have some good in there, so yeah, you can't be too much. hard on them in that respect. Yeah, I mean, I think the music was probably the strongest part of what they did. That and the puns. Probably, because the art was not very strong. <laughs> not even remotely. <laughs> well, when you've got, like, the bully, uh, pain, the bully, like, changing sizes here and there and everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And the constant referring back, I guess it was of the time, but the constant referring back to Seymour as a weenie. It's like that. I mean, that was kind of the go-to phrase, I'm sure, at that point. But it's it was just a little, it got to be a little much. It's like, oh, he's a weenie. Okay, this is like the fifth time this episode, episode you said that. 
Find a different insult. <laughs> I did notice that. I guess that probably is an of the times insult, but they oh, did yeah. use it a lot. They did. Well, even I think it was the second or third episode. They're riding on a bus, and it says Seymour is a weenie and graffiti on the side. <laughs> uh, it was probably that bully. He probably more than it. likely. More than likely. I think it pops up like that. Pops up a couple of other times in graffiti throughout. I'd have to. I'm not going back to watch it, but. I'm pretty sure at least one other time it showed up. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Repeat gags. What did you think of the bully overall? He could do more with um, really, really extensive dental work than any other character <laughs> I've ever seen in the history of cartoons. Yeah, he maneuvered his dental piece in such ways that... I think anyone else who tried that would be permanently disfigured. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, like, would shoot things out of his... Like, he used it as a slingshot. Like, he would pull it back, and I think he did it to Seymour. Several times, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm, I guess this is a cartoon, but still, <laughs> that's <laughs> ridiculous. And the fact it was only attached to his front two teeth. <laughs> yeah. They must. He just must have two really bad front teeth, and the rest are fine. Oh yeah, well, definitely so. It was kind of interesting to see a bully with that big a dental work. Like normally, you wouldn't see that in a bully character, especially one that's supposed to be very athletic. That's true. Normally, they give the dental work to the kid who's getting picked on because it's a point that the bullies can use against them. Exactly. They could also pick you up by your dental work, and you know, you know, do you do you like a slingshot across the room? Yeah. Except in this case, he just uses it as a slingshot to launch exactly. you across the room. Exactly. Well, he's thinking outside the box. <laughs> like the pun work in this in this show. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of um, Junior's powers? That was weird. It, I think that they're trying to base that on like the end of the 60s version where he hypnotizes Seymour into going and getting him food. True. Except this... They just, he like would spit a seed at somebody, which he had whispered to the seed. He was planting a seed of an idea and then he'd spit it at somebody and then it would hypnotize them into doing whatever he whispered to the seed. And dude's name was not good until the very last episode. And <laughs> even on the last episode, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Half the time he would hit somebody else and then somebody else would do the wrong thing. Yep. But I suppose that's like a reoccurring joke and thus funny yes. or something. So it was kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, he could also um, he also made Seymour fly at one point. Oh, that's true because he had he had his other power was that like telepathy. Was it called vegetable magnetism? Like oh he could, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could tell plants what to do, and because shoes are rubber and rubber comes from a rubber tree. That means that he can control shoes, apparently. And he made Seymour fly, yep. <laughs> which is so ridiculous. It's like the, the longest reaching grasp of an idea, but <laughs> it's a cartoon, so whatever. Exactly. He also managed to take all the uh, newspapers at the uh, junkyard and like basically make a volcano of, of newspaper like go all over the town. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was up with the newspaper. Was he controlling it, or was the newspaper supposed to be coming to life? Because it seemed like the newspaper was alive at one point. 
I think it was supposed to be under his control, like bringing it all to town because, you know, fiber, you know, tree fibers and stuff. But yeah. I don't think it was supposed to be alive. It probably wasn't. I, there was just so much that they didn't explain well enough and I was just confused. <laughs> but not confused enough that I cared to go back and rewatch it and figure it out. No, oh, come on. You know, a week, a week or two down the road, those questions will eat away at you enough that you're going to go back and watch this entire thing. I doubt it, because a week or two down the road, I'm probably going to completely forget about this. Point <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> taken. <laughs> like, it took me a long time to get through this because I kept forgetting that I had to watch it. <laughs> Same boat. Partly because it was, it was just kind of boring. Like, it had its moments. It was entertaining at times. But, like, to, I couldn't binge it. It was... Yeah. It, it was too much to binge. And then... I had to go work and then I'd forget about it and I'd watch something else when I got home from work and then I'd remember, <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta watch that. What you do for your audience, I tell you, I'm I am <laughs> I'm blown away. <laughs> yeah, I think if I if I weren't covering every version of this, I think I would have given up after the first couple of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will say that having watched all thirteen, well, twelve and a half because of episode nine i'm glad i watched it because you can see over the course of it mm-hmm. like the influences of the movies and i think that it's done in such a way that um if you know the the base material you're gonna see more than just what's on the surface yeah but it, it takes something to get there and i don't yeah. it, it's a dedication by people that know the material which is great but there's a lot of people that aren't going to know that or see that or remember that. Yeah, in that respect, I am glad I watched it because I do like watching different versions of things just to see what people do with the different material. Oh, yeah. It's just some things are harder than others to, to get through. Absolutely. And I, I don't know if it was just because that's what kids entertainment was at that point or if it was just like we say, you don't I don't want to say that it was rushed for the sake of rushing. And obviously there was that element. But I think Mm -hmm. a lot of cartoons, even now, are that way. But I hate to think that it was just rushed through because, oh, it's a a cash grab. It doesn't feel like a cash grab. Yeah, I don't know. Was I mean, Little Shop of Horrors is kind of a cult classic, but was it popular enough that they thought that they were going to make a ton of money off turning it into a cartoon? I don't know. It doesn't feel like it would have been. No, just given... It's like, again, and I bring up RoboCop because, easy example, like RoboCop wouldn't be something that a kid is going to be able to watch. You know, that's probably why they brought in the cartoon and toys and whatever else. Mm -hmm. With this, I do think that the musical, I I mean, it it definitely had its audience. And I think that the the musical itself did pretty well, like the the movie musical. So I would assume that there would be that, that love of it. But I don't know. They could have just needed something to fill a gap. Maybe. And maybe it just had one guy who just loved Little Shop of Horrors and wanted to do something based on it. That's possible, too. I mean, you look at, like, like say, um, Saturday Night Content, back when broadcast was a lot bigger, and I guess even to this day, too. But you just needed those shows to fill in slots. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that one slot that doesn't do real well, but you got to throw something there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that to some extent that's what this was. It could have been. Like you had the dedication of the people that loved, that knew and loved Little Shop. And they wanted to bring some version of that to the screen. 
And then yeah. Fox was like, ah, okay. <laughs> we'll give it a season. <laughs> Only give it a season, but we'll give it a season. Yeah. And you can tell that whoever made this, they did have affection for the originals. Because oh, there's yeah. a lot of in-jokes specifically towards both versions. Very much. So it's definitely not bad. It's just, it's not fully good either. Yeah, it lacks, <laughs> it lacks focus, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. And not that you need like a, you don't need it to be, you know, dramatic week to week drama where you're sitting on the edge of your seat waiting to know what happens next. But it's kind of all over the board. Like even Seymour isn't really consistent as a character, you know, one time he can, yeah. you know, do science and do all this stuff. And then the next, he's just a total idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I guess that's 13 year olds too. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, oh, that was one of the... <laughs> with the first episode. Um, so Audrey wants to be a fireman, not a firefighter at that point, but a fireman, which for the time was probably still the proper term for that. But she pulls out a centerfold of a, of a, um, out of a firefighter magazine of like a really tall ladder. <laughs> it's like probably six pages long. <laughs> that was a very weird joke. It was a, for the time. Yeah. Did you notice in the final episode, like through this whole show, they've just had Junior be ravenous and eat tons of like everything mostly meat but like they wouldn't let him eat people but in the last episode he ate a person did you notice that i don't i don't actually <laughs> Which one, who did he eat okay in the last episode the dentist's sister is gonna marry mr mushnick it's long and complicated it involves his magic <laughs> seeds but at the wedding there's some guy playing the piano behind this screen like you never see the guy but you see Junior behind him, and then it's, the camera's like off looking at someone else, and you hear a, a giant chomp, and then suddenly Junior is playing the piano, and he starts a song. So he ate the piano player. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> the, so, the only casualty of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Other than all those pumpkins and the newspapers. Uh, yeah. And the only human stew. casualty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, um, Stu, the the vegetables. There, there was a weird joke in there too, like they were they were making vegetable stew, and they apparently the recipe was from Junior's grandmother, and he said Granny was a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> that one made me laugh. Oh yeah, that was pretty good. So they they're trying to do basically, um, Junior get or uh, Seymour gets put in home ec, and they have to do a recipe. So he's gonna do boiled water, but then Junior says. Hey, we can do this recipe for my for my grandma. And basically, all Junior wants to do is build a veggie person, and uh, they need to find a brain. So it kind of turns into um, uh, Frankenstein, sort of. There's even like allusions between Igor and Seymour, and mm. that's a reoccurring joke throughout the series. Mm. But yeah, the <laughs> they get the brain from this smart fridge, and he goes around <laughs> trying to like freeze everything and get everything cold, which gets uh, junior uh frozen and then they serve up stew as a stew for <laughs> junior i just thought of something this show predicted smart fridges 
Oh my gosh, you're right. Holy crap. <laughs> Smart fridges weren't a thing in 1991. <laughs> it was also the first of Audrey's uh, changing of her career. She wanted to be a fridge repair person. <laughs> that is a very weird and specific career choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. She has all these different sayings when she's going to go do stuff. Like at one point, she's going to go be a milkman. And Seymour asks her, well, what about being a fireman? And she goes, well, you can't uh, put fire on cereal. <laughs> it just, there's so many weird little things like that. Yeah. <laughs> that just that one makes me laugh because it's so weird and random. <laughs> that is good, though. It's awesome. <laughs> that, that whole second episode, though, uh, because Seymour's taking home ec, he's considering himself like everybody calls him a weenie. But then at the end, um, he says something like, a man can be anything he wants, even a girl, because he's taken the classes and stuff. And I think he's, he said something like, real men should learn everything they can, even if they have to learn it in home ec. That whole episode was based, <laughs> they act like home ec is a class that only girls take, which I guess historically is sort of true. If you go back to the 60s, I suppose, but by the 90s, I, I guess, and that's the mentality, like everything is written from a kid's perspective, like, or written from an adult perspective of when they were kids. And the folks writing this were probably kids in the, you know, That's true. 50s and 60s. Yeah. But yeah, th this whole episode was, like, just based on gender stereotypes. Oh, massively so. Massively uh, so. I was thinking, this would not get made today. Not, not even remotely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was strange, like, the the titles of the of each episode like they sort of related to what was going on but like the second episode is called real men aren't made of quiche and it didn't really yeah. like <laughs> yeah i kept waiting for that one to make sense but i don't think it ever fully made sense most of them don't like they're just like a clever play on words and that's kind of where it ends it gives you kind of a general okay i low the parade is going to involve a parade yeah, no, there the, they were just a lot of weird puns, like Back to the Fuchsia. Mm-hmm. I didn't even see Fuchsia in that episode. Yeah, I don't know why it was named that, actually. <laughs> and if Again, they explained it, I missed it. <laughs> what do you think of the nameplay? Like, the, the crazy names, like Thespian Chinless and, um, oh, what was the dentist's name? I can't uh, remember the dentist's name, but I specifically wrote down his sister's name because I didn't, I thought I recognized it at first and then I had to look it up. Her name was Malaclusia. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I typed that in trying to figure out what what that was because I knew, I knew I recognized the name, but different. It's from Malaclusion, which means you have crooked teeth. And her brother is the dentist, so it's a tooth <laughs> joke. <laughs> and that was actually a thing, um, and they didn't use all of them, but in the original Little Shop, there was, like, so many, the names that they were going to use for stuff and people, they didn't end up going with, but they did keep some of them, like the um, the person that judges the plant contest that they're going to honor Seymour with. Mm -hmm. Like, her name is about seven syllables long, and... Like that play on names was big in the 60s one as well so mm -hmm. yeah they they had some clever things in this 
But the one that stood out to me most was Malaclusia. <laughs> <laughs> there was the um the scientist too. Midas appalling. Is that supposed to be like might is appalling? Yeah. Well so his first name is Midas. M I or M I G H T U S. Last name appalling as in something awful. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess it, it made more sense. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I don't think there was anything. I think they just picked two names that were weird and put them together. But it like, sounds like it should be a pun for something, and I can't figure out something that makes sense. <laughs> me neither. Like, I, I get the basic idea of the joke, but I I got nothing as to the actual thing. I mean, the thespian chinless... A lot of like, you know, these guys that think themselves grand, like they don't have like the good chins and thespians are oftentimes <laughs> people that are related to being in the theater and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> random, random uh, side note there. I mean, this show is full of random side notes. Oh, <laughs> God, it is. Well, and like you kind of get the two, the two, um, storylines going and i know there's always mo- most of the time there's an a and b plot mm-hmm. but like most of them involved audrey as the b plot mm-hmm. and they never made sense it's like wh- where well, is going <laughs> yeah i half the time it felt like they didn't even end like they just kind of stopped yeah basically <laughs> i agree with that <laughs> like i couldn't figure out what the point of her wanting to be a sports writer was in the episode where by the end, Junior has now become like a sports star, but like at the beginning, he wasn't, and suddenly she wants to be a sports writer. And I don't know if they just did that so that the two stories would line up, because at the end, she's like typing what's happening at the game. But there was no like real end to that. She just, that's just what she's doing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's kind of what the point of it was. Like it was something to relate back to what the main story was. Like, you no, know, she created the the when she wanted to be a milkman it was to you know make this giant home milk product thing because the thing that's that junior came up with was supposed to be a home version of whatever whatever thing i wonder if her wanting to be the milk person relates to the episode that was only in german because i didn't i like it's only in german so i watched it and just tried to figure out what was happening it's called It's a Wonderful Leaf, so I think it's a play on It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. So I think I think Seymour is like, he learns what life would be like without him. And it seems like it's just Mr. Mushnick and Audrey owning a yogurt shop, which I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. And yeah, so the, the ninth episode, the any any copies that are out there by and large, at least available to the public, are really only these ones that were recorded and the one only has a german version for some reason or another Mm. there's english translations but no actual english version i was also wondering if it was like because i can't hear them so i was wondering if it's supposed to be like a combination of it's a wonderful life and a christmas carol because it's not an angel that's showing him what life would be like it looks like it's the ghost of christmas future he's he's like a creepy floating ghost except i think it's supposed to be junior because it also has leaves and vines (laughs) this is kind of random but i'm just looking here at this uh fandom wiki and uh 
it just says uh, characters frequently frequently broke the fourth wall. Pop culture jokes were snuck in. They played Where's Waldo with Jack Nicholson. So it sounds like he was actually actually supposed to be put in there at random places, and if you know, you play along to find him, I guess. Huh. Or well, was I didn't know nice. that, so I I wasn't looking for him. Neither was I. <laughs> and I don't really feel like watching the whole show again just to no. find him. No, same. I, that I, is that's interesting, an interesting point. Yeah, it's an interesting point. But it's one of those things with Wikipedia, you always got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. So. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised, though. It makes sense, being being that he was, you know, the biggest thing to come out of the first Little Shop. Yeah, other than the musical. <laughs> yes, very much. And this cartoon. Don't forget the cartoon. Oh, of course. <laughs> One of my favorite puns was with fronds like these, who needs enemies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, wasn't that something like in Finding Nemo, but it was with fronds like these, who needs anemones? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> they also brought in our, so they had this um, parade or like this fireman parade mm-hmm. and they had Arson Wells as the uh, parade announcer. Oh, that's what the, I was like, I thought they said Orson Welles, and I was like, is that Orson Welles? So I was looking it up, like, did Orson Welles do a voice in this? <laughs> <laughs> it was a pun, and I missed it. Oh, that's okay. That's alright. <laughs> that's kind of hilarious, though, Orson Welles in a fireman's <laughs> parade. <laughs> um, you also had... Uh... Tree puns in Pulp Fiction, like the beginning of that episode. I didn't write down specific ones, but those are pretty great. Yes. Um, I feel like there was one in Pulp Fiction. I'm going to watch the beginning because there was one that I was I was going to make a note of and I forgot to write it down. Oh, another, while you're looking for that, another another funny one was with the dentist. Um, he starts like, um, Seymour gets out of the chair and escapes. And he talks about how he's losing patience and then he also says, I'm losing patience with my patience. And there was a couple of puns based on that that were pretty good. Oh, yeah. Here, okay, here it is. Lay it on me. In the episode where they they go to the forest because they're going to visit this old tree, like it's a thousand years old, so he thinks he's going to talk to it. And they find out the forest has been fully cut down. And <laughs> Junior says, why would someone commit such a horrible atrocity? and he's like fully serious he's like not supposed to be a pun but it is a pun and then seymour says i'm stumped (laughs) and they're surrounded (laughs) by stumps well even the stew like the 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 veggie creature that they created Mm -hmm. that turns into a stew is kind of a cute little plan words and i mean it does pay itself off to some extent Mm mm-hmm so of these episodes, which one did you like? Was there one that stood out as really good or really bad? I guess. I don't know. I think they all had their good moments and their dull moments. <laughs> Very true. I don't know if I have a favorite. Any they're favorite all kind moments? Of, they're all kind of equal. Well, favorite moments are some of the things we talked about like some of the good puns and i th- yeah, i thought it was weirdly funny and i i don't know why like i just liked that he actually ate somebody in the last episode <laughs> 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 it 
Too bad it had to be an innocent piano player, but... (laughs) Yeah, it would have been better had he eaten the bully, but, you know, all that metal and the braces, I mean, eh, you don't want to get too much iron in your diet. (laughs) It could have damaged his throat stock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they kind of went for broke in that final episode. I mean, oh, that was another kind of funny thing. So, obviously, Mr. Mushnick has audrey but there's no mom in on that oh that's and right <laughs> they, uh, audrey refers to her mom being lost and actually surprising for that time seymour asks you know when did she die and audrey goes no we just lost her we went to the mall one day and <laughs> couldn't find her she just disappeared <laughs> we searched forever they don't seem that worried about it though like you wouldn't think they would have put out a missing persons report or something (laughs) well you could say the same thing how how, you know i mean junior basically does everything in front of everybody else and yet never gets (laughs) caught like he's undercover the entire time the only time that he's even acknowledged is when they go out for halloween he's underneath the sheet so he's a ghost is being pulled in a wagon by by seymour i think is they call him bud (laughs) (laughs) another pun oh yeah just a little bit a little bit that's the thing like we talked about there's some good stuff like it's not if you just watch the it's like watching a b movie if you go in Mm -hmm. with the notion that it's going to be bad and you don't give it a chance you're going to see what you want to see there is there is a lot of cool stuff but you have to actually watch it yeah I think what makes it harder with this one, though, is that there's 13 episodes. Yeah. So yeah. it's much more of a time commitment than just watching one movie. Oh, no. 100% agreed. That's why I'm very much a movie person and not a TV person. Yeah, I mean, I I used to always be a TV person, but I had a lot more time when I was younger. Yeah. And now it's like I'm so far behind on most shows that I watch. Like the... I feel you cw arrowverse like i was a huge smallville fan back in the day so i was so excited when they were doing more dc shows and i don't know how many years behind i am on all of the shows it's it's so daunting to to try and catch up on oh yeah not that i mean this is only 13 episodes so it's not not a good comparison but that's still kind of how i feel about shows like they they have to be really good for me to like fully binge them and totally keep up with them oh yeah well and to pay the proper attention that it needs to be paid yes now i feel you loud and clear that's probably why i don't do a whole lot of tv series for for this podcast no that makes sense i mean one season of you know 20 minute episodes is quite a commitment i can't imagine like our you know like 30 well i don't even know if they make them that long anymore but like however many of any season however many hour episodes you might have to do with that mm-hmm. yeah i couldn't do it yeah that's there's eventually i'm going to be doing treasure island on this podcast oh nice and there's like several treasure island tv shows and i'm just kind of they're like at the back of my list they'll, they'll be like if if this show goes on for many years maybe i'll finally get to those one day because <laughs> some of them lasted a while i think there's like a a treasure island prequel series really it's like four seasons and so as much as i am interested in them it's such a huge time commitment 
<laughs> a little bit. Yeah, definitely so. <laughs> this one, it was a time commitment, but it was slightly more doable. Because even though it's 13 episodes, they're only 20 minutes. And they're on YouTube, so they actually they have a double speed feature. So I could <laughs> watch some of them really fast. I was tempted to do the double speed feature, but I was worried I was going to miss something. So I was, I was committed to this. So uh, <laughs> there could have been a pearl of wisdom in there someplace. Maybe that's why I didn't understand some of the jokes. <laughs> no, like I didn't right. understand how some of them ended because I went by them too fast. No, they ended just out of nowhere. There was no real... I mean, I don't think anything like... They weren't that serious that, you know, you weren't, they were just meant to be like, it's almost anthology based. Mm -hmm. You got the same characters, but basically, you know, like Seinfeld, nothing connected. You got the same characters, but everything (laughs) was its own thing. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know if everything did it from that. I know that not everything did, but like, I don't know. So many shows of that era didn't really connect. It was just like, oh, well, hey, we're going trick or treating this week and the next week. Oh, we're going to school. Like there was only one episode, well, maybe two episodes in school. And then which is cool. Week, oh, we're only speaking German. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By accident. <laughs> one of those weird twists of history. <laughs> maybe that's why we can only find it in German, because that's how they made it. Exactly. <laughs> well, and of it all was languages. a creative choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> The children of 91 were very confused. Oh, yeah. Well, and of all the languages, like, who would have thought German? Like, Spanish, I get. Even French, if you think it was, you know, aired in Canada. But German? Yeah. That's kind of a random language for it to be the only way it was preserved. Right. Exactly. I mean, there were some, like, Monty Python back in the day did an episode specifically in German because they had a very German audience at that point. But that was specific and done for that reason. This is also a show for adults, too. I, d- That's true. I doubt this was a riff on Monty Python. No, no. Although no. if it was, that would be really funny. That would be freaking hilarious if it was. <laughs> but again, there are those little bits where it could have been. I mean, the, the Arson Wells, when I heard that, I, <laughs> I cracked up. I can't believe I missed that one. I thought they said Orson Welles, and I was like scrolling through IMDb trying to find if Orson Welles was in this show. <laughs> well, do you have any other thoughts of anything that we haven't covered yet? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that they kept his look consistent, but I was really wishing he would change every now and again. Like, just even his hat, it was like, dude outfit one change and that giant bow on the side of audrey's head was so it drove me nuts i kept thinking that she had a pillbox hat on because they'd show her from because the bow was kind of stuck to the side the one side of her head so when they'd show her from the other side it would just like the the top of the bow would stick out and it looked like she had like this little hat on and it's like wow that's interesting and then she turns and it's this gigantic bow that's the size of her head i was put off by that (laughs) It's a very random thing to be upset about, but okay. Yeah, I know, I know. The careers for me were almost like, I, I wrote down every career that she did, and I don't know why. It's like, okay, so she's going to be a uh, an operator. She's going to be, which the kind of operating she was doing was like, you know, probably old school in the 50s. She was a housewife at one point because she wanted to, she didn't want her dad to marry um, uh, pain drillers. Yeah, she didn't, want to, she didn't want her dad to marry Malacluja. It's like, okay, that's odd. Uh, yeah, it's just... 
the overwhelming want to be a fireman unless she wanted to be something else which i mean at that age you know you would expect that but it was just it's such an odd story beat well i mean i guess she's supposed to be 13 but i was gonna say little kids they have a lot of random wants to, for their careers yeah like when i was little true. i wanted to be a zookeeper and an artist and i vaguely remember wanting to be on the radio too nice which i guess i sort of am doing a podcast <laughs> <laughs> you're on the next version of a radio yes <laughs> heard by anybody that wants to hear it across the world and into outer space now how can i become a zookeeper to fulfill that wish <laughs> well you could uh find yourself a, a 200 million year old seed planted <laughs> in wheat germ and then have it come out with its own little pot <laughs> i want to be a zookeeper not a botanist <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know junior is more animal than plant he has a steady diet of meat <laughs> he's not a cannibal <laughs> his granny was a cannibal <laughs> one of his granny was a cannibal chances are he is too <laughs> so where does this fall for you like having talked about all three the 60s uh movie the 80s musical and this like like i know it's probably obvious but where does where being that we've gone through all three where does where do, where does each one sit for you this one is last <laughs> not surprised um then probably the 60s version and then the 80s version is my favorite but the 60s version is good really good in a totally different ways. I think the eighties version is my favorite just cause it's, it's the first one I saw and it's just so weird and fun and I love the music. Oh yeah. So it, the it's, music is amazing. it's tops for me. Oh yeah. I think that's awesome. Is that the same for you or are uh, you, do you favor a different one? Well, I favor the cartoon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really surprising. Um, honestly, like the, the cartoon go before i kind of dreaded doing the cartoon honestly because i didn't know <sighs> having watched like the like i i previewed like a little bit of it mm-hmm. and it's like ah the animation is just eh. the voice work is eh. yeah but i mean it was surprising it won't be something that i'll probably watch again just because it's really not up my alley as far as interest and mm-hmm. but i mean i love the movies i they're both amazing I'm glad to have added this to my repertoire of things that I've watched. Yeah. But I don't need to check it out again. Yeah, Having said same. that, if you if you do have a real interest in Little Shop, it is worth a watch just to see some of the weird background stuff. Because mm-hmm. there is a lot of cool little pop culture things. Um, and because it was clearly done by someone that really, really, really loved Little Shop. Mm-hmm. I saw the um, musical first. I grew up on it. The music is like... it. it brings you out of whatever bad mood you're in you know you can be in any mood and this will raise you but for me the 60s version is just so it it was a labor of love to get to enjoy it to the level that i do because the first time i watched it i just i couldn't get what it was supposed to be like i was so confused <laughs> i mean for goodness sake seymour ends up in a toilet <laughs> and just pulls his head up out of the out of the toilet it just it was so over the top but it was so much fun and weird Mm. i I think probably this but only by the slightest of of margins and that was more because i put the i had to put the time into rewatching it and not that it was a a labor like a a stressful thing 
it was something that I wanted to do to understand more about it. So, mm-hmm. so your ranking is the cartoon, the eighties version, and then sixties your favorite. Yes, but only by the smallest of margins with the eighties version. Yeah, I mean it's by like a toe or like a nose or whatever. <laughs> by by a plant, by a by a leaf of grass. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're both really good, but for completely different reasons. It's hard to rank them. Agreed. That was probably a goofy question to ask, but I figured I'd ask it. <laughs> you know, it's it's worth it, especially with the two being so close. I yeah. mean we're talking about this one, so it's kind of obvious that this one's gonna be at the bottom, but <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> But again, props to them for the work that did go into this because it was clear that animation stuff aside, you know, end of the day, it does have a lot that, you know, it it is distinctly Little Shop. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't take these scripts, like you could take the bases of these scripts and put them elsewhere, but there's a lot of other stuff that were sprinkled in, like the little seasonings that gave it that distinctive feel. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot in this that is very dependent on having watched the other two right which is weird that they made it into a kid show but like we've said multiple times they did that a lot back then oh yeah very much so i mean it's like easter eggs in um marvel movies if you know it or in any movie i guess if you know the the base property well you can even say it i guess in video games you know if you watch a thing and you see something in the background a character walks through whatever and you're able to identify it as something from some other part of that, you know, franchise. Mm-hmm. That's something special for the fans. Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess that's probably all we have to say about Little Shop. <laughs> Unless you have any final closing final thoughts. Th- I don't have any final, final thoughts, I'm pretty sure. So I appreciate okay. you coming on this journey with me. Yeah, well, I appreciate you doing it with me, (laughs) because, I mean, who else would I have gotten to watch 13 episodes of a weird cartoon about a man-eating plant who only ate one man at the very last episode? (laughs) Well, see, therein lies the thing. It's a man as in singular eating plant. Oh, yes. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) That is a pun on the level of this show. (laughs) Yes, very much so. It's either really smart or really stupid, depending upon how you look at it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you that, that's certainly how a bunch of their little puns came off <laughs> green <laughs> they're eye rollers but they're eye rollers with love <laughs> yeah well until next time do you want to let people know where they can find you absolutely you can find me inside the belly of audrey too or audrey <laughs> jr how, or just jr depending upon uh how you want to state it um depending on which version you're in exactly at least it's distinctive you know (laughs) yes i don't think even then they would have gotten away with calling audrey jr audrey jr they probably would have had to call him jr anyway uh you can (laughs) find me (laughs) you can find me here on youtube at trivial theater if you just type it in and it's er not re because like the cartoon i am just not that fancy you can also (laughs) find me on twitter at trivia underscore chick Okay, I will have those linked in the description below. All right. Well, until next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Version Ever. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you prefer 
And of course, make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access, and we'll see you soon for another brand new episode of the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Every Version Ever.